Meanwhile, at a crime scene at a blockbuster. Detective Chim noticed the VHS tape around the throat and hands of the victim. He was strangled to death. You saying this is not an accident, Detective Essen? My veteran senses tell me this was no more than an accident. This was the victim was tied down with the VHS tape. Looks premeditated. Also, the killer wrote on his forehead, Be kind, be wine. Turn it to heck. This is no ordinary killer. This is the seven sins of the movie-watching killer. He is sending us a message about the importance of rewinding movies after you are done with them. Ah, you catch on quick, rookie. Last week we saw a victim with his mouth full of goobers and Mike and Ike's. He was preaching a message about not finishing your snacks during the trailers. Week before we had the poor soul who spoiled the plot of Titanic. The killer dropped a ton of ice on his head. It's all starting to line up. You still have the blockbuster employee manual? We're the only we're the only deadly sins of movie watching. Shall not talk during the feature presentation. Thou shall not invite your grandmother into the room during a lovemaking scene. Thou shall not tell others that the book was better. And thou shall not... Uh, I always forget this one. Mm, thou shall not force a sequel on a well-established trilogy. Oh no, does this... Does the blockbuster killer know I wrote a spec script for Austin Powers 4, Shag Raker? It was an accident, I swear. I had a moment of weakness. Oh, Tim, this is bad. This is very bad. Someone delivered this box to me and told me to open it at this exact time. It has your name on it. What's in the box? What's in the box, Eston? Come on, tell me what's in the box. Let's see. Foam peanuts. A warranty notice. More foam peanuts. Oh no, it's a head. What? You didn't let me finish. It's a poor... The head producer greenlighting your Austin Powers 4 movie. That doesn't sound so bad. Wait, Tim. I didn't read the rest. Paulie Shore will be playing Austin Powers. Oh, sweet heavens. What have I done? Why me? This is a fate worse than death. Darn you to heck, blockbuster killer. Take me instead. The blockbuster killer wins in the end. And to think tomorrow I was going to retire wish I had died with a mouthful of goobers. Scene. Good morning! I'm bad. Just drawing that way. Houston, we have a problem. Why me watch? Are you not entertained? Why so serious? It's alive! It's alive! The snozberries just like snozberries. Hello, welcome to Film Logic. I am Count Micula, and this is a movie podcast of horror and scariness. We celebrate the past, present, and future with all the fandoms in between. <laughs> we are also part of the Retro Logic Network with other classic podcasts like Retro Logic, On Topic Retro, and Retro Groove. I am Mike, the vampire celebrating Halloween, and I am with my co-hosts. Justin, what's he doing? I have no idea, but I think we're just going to have to just roll with it. <laughs>
sometimes he goes into this method acting and I can't even understand it myself. Like you remember, you know, today is the day after Halloween, right? Come on guys. We, we were supposed to record yesterday. So I made all this, made all these puns about Halloween and we just have to go with it. Okay. Okay. We still love you, Mike. Don't worry. Okay. Well, anyways, folks, I'm going to drop the accent. Uh, I'm with Aston, the man who ages backwards. That's right. Welcome to people, and I age backwards. So, and when I turn 15, I will not give him my license. (laughs) And I am with Tim, the mega mind of the group. Aston, it's been a while since I've seen that one, so I can't quite do that voice, but take it yes <laughs> you did paint yourself blue and you have a soul patch so you're halfway there there you go thank you <laughs> left over from yesterday's halloween yes <laughs> all right i was waiting for you to start singing i'm blue <laughs> you know i'm glad that song's dead and still hoping it stays dead Speaking of things that are not dead because it's not Halloween, what is everyone watching these days? Usually I go first, but someone else go first. Um, I'll go first. I've been watching on Amazon Prime. Um, they have a new series that's actually started called The Peripheral. And it's actually uh, kind of a, been two episodes into it. Uh, new episodes premiere every Friday night. And it is a uh, real interesting twist on a uh, kind of a techie fight, if I want to use that term, world. Um, follows this guy with his brother and this uh, sister. And uh, there involves computer gaming. And they kind of go into this virtual reality thing using peripherals. Mm-hmm. They have a mom that's, uh, that has an illness about her. And the brother gets a new upgraded kind of like uh, top shelf peripheral, if you will. And you make money going into these games, and they're trying to make money to afford their mom's medicine. Well, in this current state of affairs, and they're in like um, North Carolina because it's in the Blue Ridge area, so the medicine's really expensive. And so they are having to uh, they get this new peripheral, and this new peripheral without going too much into the plot because I don't want I want people to be intrigued and want to watch it. Um, so at least the pilot. Um, Doom does really advanced stuff in the game to where you you feel stuff more, you have more interacting, you actually make more bank. Um, however, it attracts a lot of unwarranted attention uh, to the point that actually back in the real world, um, fire team squads start coming after them. And um, her brother is actually a retired Marine. And um, so he actually has gets his squad together, his former squad mates with him, and actually uh, defends their, uh, their little like uh, home site. And so, um, and it goes a lot deeper than what I'm explaining, but again, I don't want to go away too much of the plot line because I want people to definitely try and give it a go. But I mean, if you are uh, a fan of kind of, um, of matrix, um, stuff and you are a fan of, um, uh, ready player one type stuff, then Mm -hmm. um, definitely I would say watching this series. Um, it's not a carbon copy of those, of those movies. Um, but it definitely touches on to those themes of it, but it definitely is, is, I'm enjoying it. Like it's very entertaining, and um, mm-hmm. so I've been watching that. <clears throat> Watched on Netflix. 
Uh, Chris Hemsworth did a movie. He's in a movie called uh, Spiderhead. And yes. that one is, um, it started out, I thought it was going to be something about some, I don't know, just real quirky, like almost like taking itself like borderline, um, how should I say this, like uh, about kitty pornish stuff. Because there's a lot of like, like, like love drugs in it and trying mm-hmm. to have people like make out with one another and test subjects and see how they make out together and stuff like that by introducing different chemicals. But, um, but as the plot develops, it becomes less of that. And you understand a little bit more of like why the main character, not Chris Simsworth, but why the, one of the other main characters is uh, at this, this jail site is where they're at. And all these people are basically convicted felons and they have volunteered to be into this prison that Chris Hemsworth has created. And by being in this prison, it's got a very lax system as far as that you can freely go in and out and visit people. And um, he's actually added like, you know, top of the line food stuff, coffee bar. He actually has them arcade games. There's a scene where one guy's playing joust. And um, and so you actually get to uh, freely move about. And part of the terms of the contract is that you subject yourself to these experiments with these chemicals. And um, Along the way, to introduce drama, things do go awry because they start introducing a chemical that is actually causes anger and your darkest fears to actually manifest. And um, some murders start happening and some suicides start happening. And that's when I can definitely say that the plot goes away from like, okay, this is not going to be about like, you know, showing bras and panties and stuff like that and making out with moans and groans. It becomes more actually like um, kind of a uh, sci-fi-ish chemical warfare thing and um in the end i enjoyed watching it i mean it's uh you know chris hemsworth um he does well in it um he does a quirky part of his like a a character and um the movie has a lot of good uh songs in it so kudos to that in fact one of them is actually uh you know a Ten Thousand maniac song and chris you get to see chris hemsworth actually dancing around to the song so you get to see him dancing about so actually you know he's definitely not taking himself too serious in the movie with his character but um not a long movie. I think it's like around comes in around like uh, maybe an um, an hour and just short of maybe like two hours, so maybe an hour and fifty minutes. So not bad. But um, and then uh, let's see what else I've had on there. The um, I finally got to see the unbearable weight of massive talent. I want to see this movie, the Nicolas Cage movie, and uh, definitely delivers. If you're a fan of Nicolas Cage, I mean he turns it on and turns it off as far as the acting. Uh, he delivers as far as like the Nicolas Cage, and then you he can kind of turn it off and just be like a normal dude. Um, there are parts in the movie where he runs into like his, I uh, like a kind of a dual personality. You get to see the younger Nicolas Cage in there talking to him, trying to soup him up. Um, but he gets invited to this island, um, not really an island, but like this kind of like drug cartels like establishment. And because this guy is just a fan of his work, and he's like. On his one of his hobbies, he's a script writer, and he wants Nicolas Cage to act out in his movie that he's been writing. Um, but lo and behold, the CIA catch wind of it and actually uh, recruit Nicolas Cage to actually like uh, try and get deeper into the cartel to exploit the heads thereafter. And as people start figuring out what's going on, who's who, who's on what side, um, allegiances get drawn, uh, gunfire gets exchanged, and then it starts going into a straight-on action movie. And uh, Nick Cage's family comes down and gets involved in it, and uh, so it actually is. Uh, it's, it's pretty entertaining. I mean, I love yeah. this movie. When I saw it, my wife and yeah. I saw it in the theater, and it was, 
it took turn after turn after turn, yeah. just just unexpected turns throughout the movie, but it, I, I loved it every minute of it. It was cool. I love the part like how Nick Cage like in it, like he actually like shows how actors can kind of just turn it on and turn it off. Like I think just like they can just be okay, I'm just Nicolas Cage now. And then they can be okay, now I'm Nicolas Cage, the actor. And like how they can just turn it on. <laughs> so, right. So it, it, it's entertaining, yeah. And um God, the, the, the actor's name escapes me. Um, I've seen him in so much stuff now, but um, Mandalorian. Guy, yeah, the guy that plays the Mandalorian. Yeah, and um, he's in the other Netflix movie. That's just like I tell everybody go watch this Netflix movie, Triple Frontier. You've got to watch Triple Frontier. It is just like it is packed with so many Star Wars cast members and and so many <laughs> good names. But um, but yeah, that so that one I've been watching, and then the other one. I, uh, let me see what else did I add on to my list. The uh, the Stranger. Um, that one and actually on what did I see that platform on? I want to say that was on Netflix. And that one's actually follows the movie uh, based on a true story of actually one of uh, the uh, it's alleges uh, one of the actual biggest Australian um, takedowns of a murder mystery where a guy had like killed some kids. And what they do is they actually invite one of the. Uh, they set up this. um almost like a kind of a, a, a group of, uh, I want to say it's like, a, not like a mafia, but it's almost like a network. And they bring in the guy who's actually the killer and they make him think he's getting in with some other um, bad dudes. Mm-hmm. And one of the bad dudes is actually like is a cop himself. And they make the guy feel so welcome and they're betting on him actually going to divulge, you know, his secrets as far as where the bodies are, how he did the killing and stuff like that. And so it has some weird moments in the movie where it takes some really kind of, you tell it's a very artsy movie. However, um, when you watch at it with the eyes and knowing that this actually happened this way with the Australian, uh, the government actually did this and they set this up. Cops were actually involved in doing this to actually get this guy. And this, this is basically back, uh, is based on true facts and true events. It makes it a lot more entertaining and able to get through the artsy parts of it. And mm. um, one of the main actors in it is... Um, his name escaped me right now, so I'm not doing it justice. I didn't write it down, but um, he is actually the uh, uh, one of the bad guys that's in the um, pulled up. He's one of the bad guys that's in the uh, the uh, Mission Impossible movies, and um, I can pull it up right here. Sean, where is it at? Yeah, 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 Sean Harris. <clears throat> he was the uh, in the two Mission Impossible movies, but um, but yeah, it was actually uh, premiered at the Cannes Film Festival. Got a lot of rave reviews. So I wanted to check it out, and when I saw it, it's based upon a true story, I wanted to check it out. So, mm. so that's uh, that's my list. Very nice. I see you went from uh, video games to drug deals in under five minutes. Yeah, and you're probably wondering, are you playing uh, GTA V? <laughs> <laughs> yes, you could get all of that, Eston, if you just played one video game. You could have saved yourself six hours. Yeah, you could. Okay, yeah, all that. Tim, I'm looking at your list. I see some promise here. Tell us about what you've seen. Oh, um, there's something new, something old, <laughs> and something we'll talk about later, but... 
didn't get much time because there's been busy at work and also getting ready to go to New York next couple days. So since our last time we talked, I haven't been able to watch much. But I did get to watch Dogma, um, which is a Kevin Smith movie. I got to see Buddy Jesus. <laughs> that? I said you got to see Buddy Jesus. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I, that's something I've, I love that movie. I watched it a bunch of times. I, and it's been a while since I watched it, and I just had the urge to watch it again. So it's a good movie. It's, mm-hmm. it's great. I love it. I love all the everything that uh, goes about it. I actually watched, what else did I watch? I watched uh, a documentary about it. Uh, oh, it was a YouTube video about um, somebody. Um, Catholic priest actually watching it and commenting on some of the stuff. Oh, really? So, yeah, it was quite interesting to watch and uh, listen to the commentary from both the uh, father mm-hmm. and the and whoever else was there. Uh, I don't know what their level at the Catholic Church was, but they were both in the Catholic Church, like actual priests and monks or whatever mm-hmm. you, <laughs> within the Catholic uh, Church. So. Not being trying to be disrespectful, I just really didn't remember what their titles were. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so, uh, but they they had really good the commentary. Is that? I said the Vatican's coming after you now. <laughs> yeah, right. Don't, don't worry. Keep kind of yeah. my windows. No, it's um, I, you know, much respect to what they were doing and watching it, and had their they had their opinions, and I and I enjoyed listening to them, and. I really enjoyed the movie for what it is. You know, to me, it's just, um, you know, um, I, I, I assume God's laughing whenever he watches that movie. So, or she, depending on your point of view, <laughs> when she watches it. So, but uh, yeah, I love that movie. I love what it's trying to tell there about a bit in the high level overview is basically two angels are trying to walk through the doors of a Catholic church to try to get back to heaven because they were kicked out of heaven. And if they do that, uh, they don't know it at the time at first, um, do that, they will erase all existence. So, um, but there's a demon who's trying to get them to go through it because he's tired of being in hell. He doesn't like how hot it is. (laughs) And, um, so he's coaxing them to get over there. And then, uh, then you also have heaven who is trying to stop them with, uh, through, because again, racing all existence, and plus they don't know where God is to stop it all in the first place. So, and of course, you have uh, it's a Kevin Smith movie, so you have the usual suspects that come in through his movies, um, and um, and then there's some new faces in there, including uh, Alan Rickman, which was you know one of his, one of my favorite movies that he was in. And, and Alanis uh, Morissette, can't forget that. Alanis Morissette plays God herself. So, um, spoilers. Yeah, oh, yeah, like, uh, <laughs> isn't it they ironic? Have, they had like, uh, what's his name? Uh, James Vanderbeen or whatever from Dawson's Creek. Didn't he come in? That, was, that, in, that was in um, Jay and Silent Bob Straight Back. Oh, okay. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Uh, sorry. I get, I've seen so many Kevin Smith movies now. They've, they've been right. <laughs> So, but I mean, yeah, we got Ben Affleck and uh, Matt Damon. Of course, the angels are trying to get through the church, and then yeah. there's Chris Rock. He's one of the, he's the thirteenth apostle. Yeah. <laughs> so, just it's great stuff. It's a great time, and uh, and 
don't if you're if you are a catholic don't take it serious just enjoy it you know so <laughs> that's a you know i have grew up as a catholic and uh all that kind of stuff so i enjoy it for what it is so i'm not trying to get all religious here but i enjoyed it so what the next thing i watched what, 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 was the, what was the commentary? Did the uh, the people from the Vatican when they were watching it? Did they uh, did they take it with like kind of like for what it was with a grain of salt? Or were well, they, they, they laughed, and of course they were yeah. trying. They also had they were taking teaching moments as well when they could. Yeah. Uh, so they did that, which was like I said, I enjoyed it. I I liked with the commentary, and um, I think in some parts they probably took it a little too serious, uh, yeah. but. Uh, it is a movie and all that kind of stuff, but at the same time, I understand where they were coming from. They're trying to educate people that look, it's it's it is a movie. Yeah. Don't take your Catholicism teachings from this movie. Oh yeah, Come yeah. Learn course, the real yeah, stuff. Yeah. You know, that's yeah, what they're trying yeah. to this say. This is not doctor. This is a piece of art. <laughs> right. <laughs> I can imagine like a catechism class where they're like, well, according to this documentary, yeah. uh, Matt Damon <laughs> is an angel, and Ben Affleck. Yes. Just trying yeah. to help them. <laughs> Great stuff. And uh, and just to be warned, it is not a movie for kids. Kids should not be watching it. It's, it's uh, rated no. R. <laughs> so, not like all dogs go to heaven. Right. Yes. So, uh, but it is, it is great. Um, uh, the next thing I did watch is a documentary. It's, uh, it's, I'm, I live in Detroit. I'm from Detroit. Uh, and uh, it's about Bablo and the Bablo boats. Uh, it's called a Bablo boats, a Detroit fairy tale, mm-hmm. fairy as in fairy boat. So, if you've ever been here and ever uh, back in before 1993, before the park closed, we had our own island called Bablo Island, where you could go and be like a small kind of like Cedar Point. If you're familiar with Cedar Point. Mm-hmm. Um, or King's Island or Six Flags, you know, those type of parks. Uh, but this, we had our own here in Detroit. It was on an island between uh, De- Detroit and Canada. <clears throat> in fact, I think the island belonged to Canada. You could get on a boat, go to Canada, and uh, go to the park and have a good time for a good place. I unfortunately did not to get to experience that as a kid. I knew, knew a lot of people who did. So I missed out on it when I took it for granted. I never got to go when and the park closed. And so it was a documentary about the boats, the ferry boats. And cause we still had those around. Somebody actually uh, is trying to restore it and use it to uh, do like parties on it, uh, on the Detroit river. Uh, another company bought the, uh, the second boat and took it to New York and they're trying to use it as an actual ferry boat over there. Uh, and and restore it for historical purposes as well. So it's just a great thing, for, you know, for us people who live in Detroit um, to watch mm-hmm. and learn about. Again, it's Bablo Boats, a Detroit a Detroit fairy tale. It was um, it's going around the um, circuit right now for movie theaters in in the state for people to watch. Uh, it's because it's an indie mm-hmm. film, indie documentary. Uh, but you also have the opportunity to stream it for twenty bucks um, and be a part of the like the festival. Um, and so I I did that because I wanted to I wanted to see it and I couldn't get to the theaters that they were at, unfortunately. So enjoyed watching it. So mm-hmm. I like a good documentary every now and then. <laughs> yeah, 
No, I can respect that. I've seen plenty of documentaries. Yeah, that's pretty cool, though. Something that actually, you know, it's nice when you find a documentary that actually hits home to actually like your home turf and, and there's a little bit of like nostalgia to it for you. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I enjoy, I always love learning about the history of Detroit. Uh, and I, I got a few of those books, you know, where it takes, you know, you, it compares pictures of Detroit then and now mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. And uh, one one of the sites I'm really intrigued with is the Michigan uh, Central Station that we have here, which is kind of like your the main train station here in Detroit that was closed down back in the 80s. But Ford Motor Company took it over and they're rebuilding it to make it their uh, electric vehicle headquarters. Not uh-huh. mistaken. So uh, they'll be opening it again to the public soon, and I'm looking forward to checking that out. So I, I love I love historical type stuff like that. So. Yeah, so it's good. You can educate people on stuff like that, show them a documentary and just say, yeah, you know, there's more to Detroit than Robocop. Yeah, exactly. And Eminem, <laughs> come on. Yes, Eminem, got to have, gotta have yeah, that. Yeah. He probably performed on one of those ferries. Yeah. Uh, no. Well, I, well it might have been, I don't, I don't know. He might have been doing his rap battles at the time. It was wow. Around the time, right before they... Right around the time they close is when he was probably doing those rap battles. The two trip apart girls were not going outside yet. <laughs> right. So, and then I watched one other thing, but we'll talk about that later. Yes, almost to the meat of the episode. So, you guys should be happy. I finally caved in and I grabbed that low hanging fruit known as Lord of the Rings, Rings of Power. Are you oh, happy, yeah. guys? Yes, I, I am, finally. I conformed. Spoiled the ending, though. I didn't watch the last episode yet, still. Okay. <laughs> I still yeah. haven't watched it. I oh, still haven't watched the last episode. Yeah. I've only seen episode one, and it, 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 is, very, it is a very cinematic experience, and it kind of just flows together. You know what it actually reminds me of? Um, okay, comic book nerd talk here, but, you know, DC, whenever they want to do a super event, like a huge cataclysm, huge apocalypse. Like they'll have like four different groups kind of coming at this apocalypse idea from a different angle. And so you'll have Batman and his crew trying to do this one thing. You'll have Superman off on his own doing another thing. And you have, uh, you know, another group doing kind of true in their own thing. And I kind of felt like that is what they were doing with this. Like you have the heart, the, the hobbits, those early, early, uh, ancient hobbits um, <laughs> kind of just talking about this evil that's coming. You have the elves. Um, I don't know anybody's name, so I'm just going to say a bunch of races and just hopefully they all just go together. You know, that the elves that are in the, ah, oh, gosh. Yes. Yeah, so you got the elves and <laughs> they're trying to fight Sauron or, you know, thinking he's coming back and, the two different types of elves too. Yeah. It's like you got yeah. the the warrior elves, like the the late. And I don't remember. I'm not good with names either. But the the lady elf that was kind of leading the team that they mm-hmm. put her out and told her stop Gallandre. doing this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Galadriel. Yeah. 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 So you got those, and then you got the other ones that are just kind of chill and like yeah. you know, hey, we're just chill. We don't want to, you know, we just want to prevent oh. things. <laughs> <laughs> And, you know, uh, first episode, they have that, it's, you know, it's very cinematic, very stoic, right? So, you know, one of the 
advantages to going on that super mission is they all got to go back to their paradise land, these, uh, these warrior elves. And then they show you the boat going towards this paradise land, and they all have to stand very still, posing. And my thought was, do they have to do that through the whole trip? Because that just would annoy the junk out of me. Yeah. <laughs> my legs would get so sore. It's like, is that part of the deal? Like, you have to stand there and, like, look off into the, the far distance. And For elves, they can do that. Yeah. If it was it was if it was men on that boat, we'd just be losing our minds. Right. right. <laughs> yeah. We'd be uh watching the horizon or looking at other things, yeah. Mm-hmm. Be there yet. Come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> here. Picking boogers and picking them. <laughs> and then when like the, the main female protagonist, she jumps off the boat at last second and says no i'm gonna go after saruman you know screw this i thought is she gonna swim the whole way i mean gonna try. Role, isn't she yeah it's gonna be so tiring i uh, i can't the warrior she's a warrior yeah. she was like yeah, yeah, yeah. not going in there and if i die leaving then and so be it yeah. <laughs> right. unstoppable force mm-hmm Finally, finally, I know everyone's kind of up in arms about uh, different races within a same group of races. So you have like, you know, a black hobbit and a white hobbit. And that didn't bother me as much, but it made me come up with all these like theories about migration patterns within the hobbits and within the elves. And the best I could come up with is uh, the first War with is it Sauron or Saruman? I always get those two mixed up. Um, um I think it's uh, Sar- yeah, Sauron. Sauron. Oh, Sauron is the uh, if I remember, is the uh, is the the guy in all white that uh, okay, so is Saruman evil, is yeah. the evil wizard, yeah, yeah, they really shouldn't have made those names so close. And yeah. Saruman, um, when he had this huge war, I just oh, yeah. yeah. Um, I just imagine that he, um, everyone got displaced. So, of course, you're going to have different, like, darker mm-hmm. skin tones with the lighter skin tones because everyone's going through this diaspora where they have to find any shelter and any group that'll take them in. So, it actually does make sense. And so, no one should be butthurt at all about this. And I solved it. So, I didn't know that was a thing. I didn't know, like, I never really read much on the internet as far as, like, opinions, views, and choose. So I didn't, I didn't know that was a thing. So I had the unlucky privilege of just saying, hey, I wonder what the comments say about this. And then reading, and they're like, oh, 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 <laughs> this is so sour, so venomous, so, uh, guys, really, is this the best use of your faith? Anyways, um, <laughs> just to be clear, so too, real quick, yeah. just to be clear, it is Sauron, the Dark Lord. Sauron, okay. Yes. Sauron's the dark dark lord, and then Saruman is the white wizard. Right, right. That turns evil. Yeah. I, I go by Digimon rules. So Sauron, when he evolves, he turns into Saruman, and then <laughs> you know after that he turns into the eye. I get it. You know. Um. So one thing you're going to learn about me is that I hate mainstream low hanging fruit. So when, when people tell me, like, oh, this is amazing, this is the go-to, this this series can do no wrong, 
Like I, I always like, I always don't want to watch it. Um, but uh, you know, I gave this Lord of the Rings, Rings of Power, a chance. But then I felt so dirty that I went for the low hanging fruit. I went over to Netflix and watched Shadow and Bone, which is like an, another. Uh, it's a fantasy story about this huge shadow that's in between this land, and um, to cross over to the other side of the land, you have to take like this train to go through the shadow, but there's all these monsters and no one ever makes it out alive. So there's this politics about who owns which side of the land. And in this, there's this one girl, she finds out she has this power to make blinding light. And so everybody like this one kingdom wants her to learn how to use this light so they can get rid of the shadow in between and like own both sides of the land. And so I immediately went over there and just like, okay, like I'm cool. I'm indie again. I'm not mainstream. Um, I'm still holding strong. Not watching. What is it? Andor. I'm not watching. Yeah. Don't don't watch Andor. Andor is like it sucks. It's pitiful. It's the worst thing. It's hot trash rolling down a hill. You probably won't like it. I mean, it's yeah. not really mainstream. It's more yeah. Not very many people are watching it either. You don't want to watch oh, it. Good. Yeah, I, I wouldn't watch Andor. Yeah, then I mean, yeah, you, you probably, you know what, you know, you, you probably want to watch it then because like it's not really hip. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's it doesn't have a lot of viewer count. So I mean, it's probably yeah, it's an underground type thing. So that's probably yeah. right. Did you call it again? I forget the name of it. Is it what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Indoor? No, no. Andor, Andor. Oh, it's yeah. Andor. It's Ewoks. Ewoks. It's a new Ewoks. Yeah, yeah, show. yeah. That's what okay. Yeah, oh, that's yeah. cool. I didn't know about that one. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, I'd probably go to that Ewoks TV show just to, or the the made for TV movies just yeah. to feel like I'm cool again in Star Wars. Yeah. And, but that's just me. You know, I have to run to the to the bottom shelf products, not the top shelf. Um. But speaking of caving in, my wife and I, we've been watching She-Hulk. And whenever my wife gets behind a superhero series, I feel like a winner. Like, I just got my two-year-old son into Groot. And he loves baby Groot more than he probably loves his parents. But (laughs) um, it's amazing. Like, Okay, I got him on Marvel, so I feel like as a geek dad, I, I'm doing something right. Now I'm getting my wife on She-Hulk. Yeah. Um, we love She-Hulk. She's, we like the dichotomy of the Hulk not being able to control his powers, but like the, the girl, um, she's like, oh, I'm a girl. I've learned how to control my emotions since day one. And <laughs> not a big deal. And, you know, how she can, uh, she breaks the fourth wall. Um, which, you know, I, I want to see Deadpool do a crossover where they have to, you know, he yes. challenges her to a duel and winner gets to break the fourth wall. <laughs> Everyone's seen She-Hulk, so I can only only add to the conversation that uh, she, it's a great, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's a great story and we're probably going to follow it to wherever it goes. And it's probably the only Marvel series right now that we're actually caught up on. So we're going to be confused uh, if they try to mention any of the new Phase 4 stuff. I've actually, I haven't seen She-Hulk. I actually haven't seen She-Hulk. I've actually seen like the first episode and I haven't got around to seeing any more of it. And um, yeah, they don't mix, they don't mix too much other than 
there are other things that are already passed and you probably already heard of. So yeah, really aren't mixing a lot of the newer stuff in there. <laughs> so you should be okay. Yeah, because I, I, I didn't see WandaVision. And then I went and saw the new Doctor Strange. And everyone mm-hmm. told me, like, oh, that explains why you have so many questions. So I was like, well, there you <laughs> go. <laughs> yeah. You know, it sounds like a Marvel feast, but to me, it's homework. And I don't like homework before seeing a movie. Um, so uh, we go to Hulu a lot. And so I've been watching Superstore. Superstore is hilarious. Uh, I think it's an, it's a, is an ABC. It's, yeah, I think it's an ABC product. But, you know, it's kind of got that quirky office type feel to it. But everyone's kind of like... it was NBC. But... Maybe. I don't know. Um, just know that Superstore is, you know, it's it's got my kind of humor where it's not quite toilet humor, but it's kind of like out there absurd humor and dumb joke humor. And I, I can't tell you that if you're into dumb jokes and you're into characters that just you enjoy watching them make dumb decisions and saying dumb things, you're going to love Superstore. And I think... It's a great parody of Walmart culture, too. They really had to nail down the Walmart culture. And, uh, you know, I, I can't tell you enough to, if you can binge it, you should binge it. Um, we've also been watching Abbott Elementary and Home Economics. Um, my wife, she's a teacher by trade, and so she can relate to everything of inner city teaching. Um, other than that, yeah, I've been laughing a lot more than you guys, it looks like, to be, <laughs> just based on what you're watching. good let's go to a brand new game i'm excited are you guys excited about this brand new game yes i'm excited i'm pretty excited about it Uh, and i suck at it but i'll have i've got some soft pitches (laughs) yeah for the first time out i did soft pitches see in my mind i think i got some good get like some that'll trip you up but you guys will be like oh wow you know, it's so obvious, Mike. <laughs> so obvious, I don't know them. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll, over, we'll, we'll overthink it, Mike, is what'll happen. We'll be yeah. like so hard that we'll miss the uh, what's right there in front of us. Mm-hmm. Well, take the cat out of the bag. This is called Forest Stumped. That's a working title, but I'm using it, darn it. And it's a pun. Um, basically what we have to do is we have to guess movies based on three clues. So I'll come up with a list and everyone else came up with a list, but the three clues are you give one actor, one director, and one quote from the movie. And they have to guess based on that. For example, Johnny Depp, Tim Burton, I am the demon barber of Fleet Street. What movie? It is odd. Isn't it? obvious um so to make things interesting points are rewarded on difficulty so tim doesn't feel sad 
Um, when we <laughs> pick hard, every question will have a difficulty rating based on general knowledge. A movie like Star Wars would be an easy one point question. While that deep art house movie made in France that only Aston has seen would be a five point movie. Yes. I have seen The Divorcee, but I didn't bring that one to quote. I know, I know. <laughs> we're, we're pretty much done for. So Thank you. Ian, I will be the one who takes, uh, who jumps on the grenade for this and go first. <laughs> All right. So, my first one is two points. The director is Michael Lembeck. The actor is Dwayne The Rock Johnson, and the quote is, you can't handle the tooth, and that's the tooth, the whole tooth, and nothing but the tooth. I pledge allegiance to the tooth. That's a tooth fairy. I thought I had to smack the buzzer. Oh, okay. (laughs) Aston, you said it first. I should have said whoever speaks first can get it. Aston, that's two points for you. Off to a good start. And, and Tim, you know a movie. so <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Tim watches movies. <laughs> yes. I do every now and then. He's on his podcast, and he's definitely going to get this next one. So this is a three-pointer. And the director is Jerry Zucker. The actor is Leslie Nielsen. And the quote is, it's a big building with patience, but that's not important right now. That's a naked gun. Oh no, Tim! Can you get it? Can can you pick up the spare? Can I can I ask to reread the quote one more time, please? Yes, it's a big building with patience, but that's not important right now. Uh, that would be that's a Frank Drebin quote. Mm-hmm. I tried to make it. Uh, but there's so many naked guns. Mm-hmm. This is actually a different Jerry Zucker, uh, a, you know, movie. I'm not sure who directed it, but I'll say Police Academy. Police Academy. Sorry. Oh, why did I say Police Academy? Oh, I'm sorry. It is- <laughs> I meant to say something else, but oh well. It is Airplane. That's what I meant to say. I was going to say airplane, but for whatever reason, I said police academy. Zero points. All right. When did you say that in airplane? I don't remember him saying that. The line is we need to get these people on the plane to a hospital. Uh, They're very sick. They're very. uh, That's horrible. What is it? It's a big building with patients, but that's not important right now. Oh, okay. Uh, Because I remember the whole the famous quote about Shirley, you're joking. No, and don't call me Shirley. <laughs> you know, had I, an airplane in my mind, but then I was thinking Naked Gun and the police, the whole police. Uh, yeah, Mike Gervin. Yeah, yeah. So yes. I was like, screwed that one up. I could have had three points. I'm mm. angry with oh, myself. Yeah. <laughs> I'm angry for you guys. Um, <laughs> number three is director David Leitch, actor Brad Pitt. Quote. With this collar on, my superpower is just unbridled cancer. Give me a bow and arrow, and I'm basically Hawkeye. Mm. 
Let me say that. That was um. I threw in a Marvel quote, and it has Brad Pitt as an actor. Who was the director again? David Leitch. I didn't know who he was before this. David Lynch? David Leitch. Okay. L-E-I-T-C-H. Okay, okay, not David Lynch, like uh, Lost Highway. Okay. Um, It wasn't necessarily something Brad Pitt said, but it was he was in it. Um, yeah, he was in the movie. So I I thought it had to be the same person. Oh, well, you know, you That's can. How I did it. <laughs> you can move in that direction. I didn't because if I gave the name of the actor, it wouldn't be three points. It would be one point. Because it would be so easy. So Brad Pitt was in this movie, but Brad Pitt didn't say that line? Yeah, he didn't say that line. And what was the line again? With this collar on, my superpower is just unbridled cancer. Give me a bow and arrow, and I'm basically Hawkeye. Deadpool? That's Deadpool. Uh, uh, which Deadpool? That was Deadpool uh, 2. Oh, Aston, you got that one. Yeah, yeah, because you had a collar on Deadpool 2. Yeah. You said 2. All right, very good. I thought you meant like Brad Pitt actually said that line. I'm like, when did Brad Pitt say that line? No, but yeah. Okay. Well, that's what it was throwing me off, but I. Oh, that's right. He played. I forgot. He was putting the yeah. team together. Okay, that's right. Yeah, that was when he was in the prison and they put the collar on him. Yeah, yeah, yeah that, that part. But I mean, I was trying to remember where Brad Pitt was in the movie, but then I forgot he he had assembled the team that all died. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Oh, yes, but yeah, Brad Pitt was a vanisher. That's right. Uh, right. And he saw him get struck by lightning. Oh, by the power line. That's right. Yeah. He. Fun fact. He made. He chose that role um, to honor a friend who died by electrocution. Oh, really? You can check the facts on that one, but that is the word around the water cooler is he did that. Um, Cool. Moving on, the director for this next movie is Jeff Fowler. The actor is James Marsden, and the quote, not from James Marsden, is your drones are impressive, but face it, you'll never catch me. Sonic. Confidence, a fool's substitute for intelligence. Sonic the Hedgehog. Yes! Okay. <laughs> you got four points, Tim. Nice. All right. This one will make it or break it. All right, my final one. Director Rob Letterman. Actor Ken Watanabe. Quote, not from Ken Watanabe, is Harry faked his own death, or someone else faked Harry's death, or Harry faked someone else's death. Wait, that last one doesn't work, does it? God, no, that's like... Potter in the Deathly Hollows. No. No. (laughs) (laughs) This is actually a really... Like, this quote always shows up, like, first when you look up this movie. But Quint, Kent Watanabe, how do you say his last name? I, I can never pronounce it right. Yeah. He's, he did not say it. He's not a major actor in it, with thus the four points behind this. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, man. To avoid awkward silence, I should give more clues. Um. 
It's very close to Deadpool 2 in its actor pool. Mm. And if there was a lot of actors in this movie, I would hope you would catch them all. Are they Pokemon? Detective Pikachu? <laughs> yes. Yes. Oh. <laughs> uh, no Ryan Reynolds fans here? I don't Ryan Reynolds fan, but I don't, God, I don't, I don't remember him. I don't remember that. I don't remember that any movie. of that. I don't remember stuff yeah. like that. He saved that movie. All right, Aston, you have nine. Tim, you have four. Whose list is next? Now, Tim, you want to go next? <clears throat> uh, yes. I actually didn't give scores to these because I thought we would have to figure that out, what they would be worth. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, I, can, well, you can give an arbitrary number between one and five. <laughs> All right, well, this is what I'll do. I'll go uh, in order. Each The okay. first one's going to be one point, then two, then three, then four, then five. Okay, perfect. That sound. So it's not scored based on uh, difficulty. <laughs> so 5.1 could be really easy. You never know. <laughs> I'm just putting the numbers down here. Okay. A director is Richard Linkletter. Mm. The actor is Matthew McConaughey. Oh. And the quote is, and it's the same bullshit they tried to pull in my day. If it ain't that piece of paper that there's some other choice that they're going to try and make for you. You got to do what Randall Pink Floyd wants to do, man. Let me tell you this. The older you get, the more rules they're going to try to get you. Yes. What is yeah. it? Days and Confused. I've seen that movie so many times. I've seen it so yeah. <laughs> Richard Linklater, I was just like, uh, that's that's got to be a born identity. I don't remember. <laughs> no, no. I just, I've seen Days and Confused way too much. Okay. My all-time favorites. One of my all-time yeah. favorites, for sure. Me too. Me too. All right, all right, all right. All right, yeah, number exactly. two. All right, here's this one for two points. The director is John Hughes. The actress, Molly Ringwald. Quote, I hate it. I hate having to go along with everything my friends say. Breakfast Club. Is correct. No. <laughs> I was being, uh, yeah, I wanted to say Breakfast Club because that is the only Molly Ringwald movie I know. But <laughs> you, she was fixing candles. Yeah, I knew that one. Yeah. Okay, here's this one for three points. This is directed. Kevin Smith character is Silent Bob. <laughs> the quote, you know, there's a million fine looking women in the world, dude, but they don't all bring you lasagna at work. Most of them just cheat on you. Jay and Silent Bob? Yeah. Jay and Silent no. Bob. What? No. I was wrong. You both got it wrong. Because he only talks in one movie. 
Oh, he he says one line in all of the movies. At least one line in all of the movies. It's usually towards the end. Even Jason Amy? No, eh, wrong. Dogma? (laughs) Is it dogma? (laughs) Give up. Ah. Points for anybody. The movie is the first one. Clerks. Wait, is it Clerks? Clerks. Oh, Oh, I'm on the board. I'm on the board. Okay. (laughs) Number four. All right, for four points, this one is going to be tough for four points. Maybe this should be the five-point one. Actually, I'm going to change this one to be the five-point one because I'll make the other one a four-point one. This is going to be five points because you have to... Well, maybe it'll be easy because there's two actors. Well, I'll keep it four. Sorry, I'll keep it four. Thinking, I was thinking something else. So we'll keep it four. Right. The um, director is Ian Softly, and the two actors is Johnny Lee Miller and Angelina Jolie. Oh, Lee Miller says, you look good in a dress. Angelina Jolie's character says, you would have looked better. It's Wanted, the graphic novel movie. No. Okay. Correct. Okay. Okay. It's Tomb Raider. (laughs) Oh, still incorrect. Okay. (laughs) Tomb Raider okay. 2. Oh, Tomb Raider movies. Oh. T- <laughs> You're telling me I'm close. Look good in a dress. You would have looked better. Now, did she say you could have looked better or something? That person says it back to her. She says you would have looked better. She's the one wearing the dress. He's the one wearing the dress? Oh, she's the oh, one she wearing the dress. Oh, he you. says you look good in a dress. She says you would have looked better. Gone in 60 seconds? Characters names. Dade Murphy is John Lee Miller's character. Angelina, Angelina Jolie's character is Kate Libby. Her name. Mm. The movie came out in 1995. Oh, I know it. Hackers. Hackers, yeah. Yeah, hackers. Yeah. <laughs> that did for me when you said 95. Yay! You know, I just read the script to Hackers. I should have known. <laughs> All right, here's the last one. Uh, mm-hmm. This one was directed by two directors, Daniel Kwan and Daniel Schnert. Mm-hmm. The actor is Kehu Kwan. Quote is, the only thing I do know is that we have to be kind. Please be kind, especially when we don't know what's going on. Hmm. Is it the Oscar movie Parasite? No. No. This movie came out this year. This year? This year. Hmm. 
dumb glances from dumb stares from me. I don't know this one. <laughs> um, is it steal that movie whose really long name I can't remember? Like everything, nothing, and everything in between. <laughs> uh, let me consult the judges. Uh, judges. Okay, yeah, they said everything, everywhere, all at once is correct oh, <laughs> for five points. Oh, that puts me in the lead at 13. There it is. So, those were mine. That was uh, <clears throat> Damon Wang character by played by um, the little kid in Temp- uh, Temple of Doom. I forget his name. Mm-hmm. Uh, Short well, stack. Short stack, yeah. So, K K or no short, short round, short round, yeah. <laughs> K Huan Kwan, excuse me, Kwan. I was thinking of Pan. So in the Goonies. Okay. So, um, yeah, it's his return role. That was. Uh, have you either of you seen that movie? Everything, everything, everywhere, all at once. I, it's, on, it's on my Netflix queue to be delivered as a DVD. As soon as I get around to watching Tenet. Then it's probably oh, tenant. oh tenant tenant's really good. I just watched that again for the, this past week. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I would highly recommend watching it and watching it with the open mind because you gotta have the open mind when you get start that movie up because it's going mm. to yeah going to go in places. Tenant. <laughs> oh, everything, everywhere, all at once. Yeah. Highly yeah. recommended. Yeah. Right. Great action movie, fun all around movie yeah. especially if you know you liked uh frill Austin, you probably like this yeah it, it kind of touches on that a little bit all right that that's my good job guys all right Aston. all right <clears throat> i just do my list like in descending order for points so i got five so it'd be like First one's one point, second one's two points, third one's three points, fourth one's four points, and the fifth one, the final one's five points. How's that sound? Sounds good. So the risk get deeper as you go along. All right. right. First one, this is like uh, one point, soft pitch. The director is Ridley Scott. Uh, And so um, (laughs) the actors in it is uh, Edward James Olmos. And the quote Give a long quote. Uh, You've done a man's job, sir. I guess you're through, huh? Finished. It's too bad she won't live. But then again, who does? Aliens? Nope. (laughs) Nope. And James Olmos. Ridley Scott. The guy from Battlestar Galactica and Ridley Scott. And Miami Vice. He's in that. Yep. Okay. Can you read that quote one more time? Sure. You've done a man's job, sir. I guess you're through, huh? It's too bad she won't live. But then again, who does? I don't know this one. Sounds like well, a hack. You're going to kick yourself so hard when you'll hear the title. <laughs> well, yeah, but I, maybe when I, I haven't watched in a while. Is it the Green Hornet? Because Edward James almost is in that movie with Seth Rogen. I don't know if he directed this, but Prometheus? No, uh uh-uh. Okay. It's a Ridley Scott movie, and the quote is directly from Edward James Olmos. 
course. Yeah. I don't um, remember. I yeah, I ran out of movies. All right, the movie is Blade Runner. Blade Runner. Oh. Yeah, we're sitting I, on his. I didn't top. even think of that that one. Yeah, and he throws the when Deckard is sitting there after he's taking care of Batty. That's when he says that to him. Okay. Yeah. One point questions have Harrison Ford in the title. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next one is uh, here we go. We're talking about watching Tenet. Next one, the director is Christopher Nolan. Mm-hmm. And the actor, y'all, oh guys, some of y'all are gonna probably eat this up and jump on this quote is Aaron Eckhart. You either die a hero or you live long enough to see yourself become the villain. The Dark Knight. You got it. <laughs> nice. That's two points. Two points. Okay. Tim, you should have stole that from me. You know I'm slow in speech. I had you all <laughs> over. <I'm> slower. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> all right. Third one. For three points, director is Ralph Nielsen, and the actor is Cary Grant. And the quote, maybe if you stop straightening pictures and let men wear their own pants, maybe they'd be able to touch you without asking permissio. Hmm. Oh, man, I'm thinking of Cary Elves. It's not Robin Hood Men in Tights. No, Cary Grant is in. He was in <laughs> North by Northwest. That's not this movie, though. Okay, it's Alfred Hitchcock movie. I don't know enough Cary Grant movies to say. <laughs> uh, ben Affleck looked up to Cary Grant a lot for his uh, acting style and stuff. So, yeah, I'm throwing in the towel because I know zero Cary Grant movies, and I'm just going to say Cary L's movies. Uh, is it's it a, Princess Bride? No, nah, it's a pretty famous one. That's just right up there with the horse cuteness factor in comedy. Uh, Father Goose. Father Goose. Uh, okay, okay. Yeah. that yeah. is a that is a six point question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's got the girl who plays Gigi in it too. So yeah, that's who he's talking to. <clears throat> All right, number four. The director as and I hope I pronounce his last name right. Alfonso Saron and the actor is Michael Caine and his quote is your baby is the miracle the whole world has been waiting for uh, is that uh, that oh gosh the, I, uh, the only words that are coming to my mind is the gardener <laughs> That's not it. No. Nothing. Okay. I mean, I, I can give y'all hints if y'all want hints. Uh, well, you know, uh, silence on a podcast is deadly. So as long as someone's talking, we should be good. <laughs> yeah. It's also got Clive Owen in it. Oh, see, I know what this is. It's Julianne Moore in it. Yeah, it's the movie where he clocks someone with the engine of a car, right? You got it. Yeah, because that's when they say it's an orange present, and they always have that thing going in movies. Anytime you see someone eating an orange, that's an omen that something's bad about to happen, and it holds true in all movies. 
Whenever you see someone eating an orange, something bad is about to happen. And then there's also that scene where they present a baby and like all the soldiers like stop shooting everywhere, right? You're on it. You just got to say the name, baby. But it's not the constant gardener? No. No. Okay, that's the only movie I'm thinking of right now. Uh, <laughs> I still have no clue what you guys are talking about. It's a good movie, Tim. You should watch it. It's a good movie. It's very science fiction, and it's, the word escapes me. You know what? I Midnight in the Garden of Eden or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, baby mama no <laughs> uh, okay you're gonna have to tell us children of men children of men darn it <clears throat> yeah. I, it's a good movie Tim. yeah I would watch it Tim it's a good movie okay yes okay well I hate to brag but you got one left oh oh okay I guess Tim, you could, you could take this, or at least get in third place. There's potential for Tim. I'm to take already this. in third place. What are you talking <laughs> no, no, about? no. That's actually <laughs> potential for Tim to take this. I mean, if he likes, if he likes, kind of, I'll give a hint out there because this one okay. can be kind of hard. If he likes crimeish type movies, if he right. likes heat, heat and stuff like that. <clears throat> All right. The director is Christian Gutegast, and the actors are Gerard Butler. And Pablo Schweber, and the quote between them are, "I ain't cuffing up. That's okay. I don't bring my cuffs anyway." Ha! <laughs> huh. Gerard Butler and Pablo Schweber. He's a guy. Um, if you ever saw Thirteen Hours, he played Tanto in that movie. He was the guy who wore the uh, the shorts about halfway through the movie while they were fighting. And he's also the uh, actor who plays Master Chief in the Halo series. Of course. Of course he is. And based on those clues, Halo and wearing shorts, I am going to say it's 300. Nope. <laughs> Darn it. This movie, I give, I give more hands. I'm giving five points out for this. This is really good. It's a great movie. I've seen it five or six times. Um, Movie's got 50 Cent in it. And he actually is an actor like throughout the movie. He's not just a cameo, one little one off. He's actually in it. Okay. And Eric Breden from uh, the guy who's in the uh, the series, The Young and the Restless Soap Opera, he's in it. <laughs> okay. I have no clue. I, I think I remember the trailer for these these actors, but I just don't, and it's not coming to mind what it is. Cause yeah, I don't think I ever watched really it. Movie. I mean, yeah, if you like movies like heat and stuff like that, I mean, you definitely got to watch this. It is this solid movie. Mm. Gerard Butler does great. Okay. Um, Gerard Butler. Mm-hmm. I, I can't think of any movie except for 300. And a straight-to-DVD movie about how to escape prison in three days. So, I'm tapping out. Tim, this is your moment to shine. Yeah, I have no clue. There's, I have nothing to build on there. <laughs> Den of Thieves. Den of Thieves. Yep. 
that was those that's three words that would never exit my mouth from that. <laughs> yeah, you remember seeing it being advertised? So I remember the uh trailer somewhere either on YouTube or something like that cuz I like watching trailers and stuff but yeah. Um I do I do remember those those actors in the trailer. It's good. I I'd say I watch it. It's a really good movie. It really is. <clears throat> Very entertaining. So, final score Tim, you squeaked out four points. And on the board, at least. That's all I can say. (laughs) Aston, you had me on the ropes with 12 points. And then I just got beyond you with 14 points. And it was all because I knew about hackers. It was just crazy because I've listened to that soundtrack so much. Like, I love that soundtrack in there. It's got Underworld. Underworld has a song from that soundtrack that is so sweet. Um, That brings me back. Underworld. Yeah, it's good. You got (laughs) an awesome track off that soundtrack. Yes. Well, speaking of killer soundtracks, if any of you guys really like that game, tell us on our Discord. We have the Retrologic Discord. All are welcome. We have a good time. That's how I know these guys. And this is why we came up with this podcast. Anyways, are you guys ready for the meat and potatoes of our podcast? If you've made it this far. Yes. (laughs) All right. We're talking about the iconic actor, the man of the nineties that uh, was a heartthrob. Women want him. Women, men want to be him. Yes. The man I keep thinking played Thor but I have to remind myself it wasn't Brad it wasn't it it wasn't Brad Pitt. Yes, we're talking about Brad Pitt. This is an anthology of all the movies he's made. And we're gonna learn some interesting things about Brad Pitt. Cause I see Aston, you have written you looks like you've written the thesis on Brad <laughs> Pitt. And I would love you I would love it if you shared it with us. Sure. I'll have it. Some background on Brad Pitt. Uh, parents were a school counselor and a truck company manager. Uh, he l- attended the University of Missouri. Um, we actually have somebody in our Discord, in the Retrolight Discord, uh, John Cummings, is actually like uh, lives in the town Brad Pitt's from. Um, but he left the University of Missouri with two credits short of graduating to move to California, try his hand at acting. Um, while a struggling actor, he supported himself driving strippers around in limos, moving refrigerators, and Jeff dressed as a giant chicken for El Polo Loco. Uh, his first recurring acting role, interestingly enough, was Randy, or the character Randy, in the soap opera Dallas. He's got a sister, Julie Pitt, and he also has another brother. But I just mentioned Julie Pitt because she's more involved in the Hollywood industry. She worked as an assistant set director for Star Wars Rogue One and for Star Wars The Force Awakens. She did some other ones, but I decided just to list those two because I'm a Star Wars fan. I wrote this, so I'm biased. Um, <laughs> and he uh, also, interestingly enough, he uh, he loves New Orleans. He actually uh, has a place down there, and uh, he actually speaks fluent French. Found mm. him. Well, that just adds to the amazingness of Brad Pitt. Um, I've been spending... Since we've been talking about this for two weeks, I've been trying to scratch my head. What's so special about Brad Pitt? And, you know, what what makes him so desirable? 
I mean, I I had to I had to go on IMDb. I had to look up his movies, and I'm like, oh yes, he was in that movie. Oh yes, that was a really good movie. Um, I, I came to this conclusion that Brad Pitt is kind of like the like he doesn't hog the movie. No, like it's not like oh my gosh, Brad Pitt, this movie saved. But he he's kind of like the idea of adding bacon to a food. Like a food is already good, but when you add bacon to it, it becomes amazing. So Brad Pitt is like the bacon to any movie. Um, like the movie, uh, you know, there's so many movies he's been in. He's been in Seven. He's been in uh, Fight Club. Uh, we we kind of had a vote on our Discord which movie he's like, and everyone picked all the violent and gory ones, which kind of tells <laughs> you either about our Discord or about Brad Pitt. I'm not really sure. Um, yeah, everyone talks about his you know his his violent movies that are like social social commentary on masculinity, or his his movie about a grisly murderer in Seven. Yeah, and you didn't put it on the list. My, one of my favorite movies by Brad Pitt. I've mm-hmm. seen it count multiple times. It actually is a kind of a, a, a action comedy, but The Mexican with Julia Roberts. Oh, yeah. Yeah. People... He plays an actor named, uh, a character named Jerry. He's kind of a hapless joker. And yeah, uh, yeah it's actually uh, it's a really good movie. And yeah. it's, got, um, it's got a lot of different faces and names in it, stuff like that, that you recognize. Gene Hackman's in it. And um, what's his name? Tony Soprano's in it. So yeah, it's a it's a real good movie. Yeah, he was also hilarious in The Lost City with Sandra Bullock. Yeah, um, he like his character was just so hammy, and it sounds like he just had so much fun playing like just kind of this I can do no wrong superstar action hero, and he's is hilarious. Like one of the lines in that movie is like he gets shot in the head. And everyone thinks he's dead for the whole movie, but like then he shows up at a yoga, and they're like, "Dude, I thought you got shot in the head." And like Brad Pitt says, "You know how we use ten percent of our brains at a given time? I just didn't use that part of my brain when I got shot." <laughs> so, uh, yeah, he does a really excellent job. And I like about what he does that he does so well is that like he doesn't allow himself. And I've seen him talk about this um, in in like interviews or documentaries, what have you. Is he doesn't allow himself to get typecast. He mm-hmm. always is trying to progress himself throughout his film career and take on challenges. He doesn't like to fall into the safe role. Okay, well, you know, Hollywood knows me as like the uh, <clears throat> excuse me as like the rom com, so I'll play that rom com role. You know, mm-hmm. he always like. I mean, he'll go like what I said, like he'll do like the Mexican. You know, and then he'll go and do something like Fight Club, mm-hmm. you know, and then he'll do something like Babel, and then he'll bounce back and he'll do something like Fury, and then he'll go do something very like you know, like he'll sign on with uh, Tarantino and do like Inglorious Bastards, and yeah. so he's always kind of challenging himself to do, do different roles to keep it fresh, and so and another good thing about him is is that like he's really great with the fans, is mm-hmm. that uh, he stays really down to earth. And if you've ever watched him, like with interaction with with fans, um, you know he really he runs up to them and like he he doesn't mind like himself is with them. He doesn't mind the autographs. He's very approachable mm-hmm. in that regard. That's and, great. Uh, 
Yeah, and some and some actors really let it go to their head and they get big headed and they don't want to be bothered. But uh, but no, he he always kind of keeps it focused as far as like you know, okay. I mean, I, I'm I'm drawing a paycheck because these are the people that are putting that money you know into into the theaters to see my my films. And so you know, I definitely need to show appreciation for them because they're they're the people that are supporting me. And so um, and I really dig that when actors are that way and actresses also when they don't let the fame go to their head to where they think, you know, well, you know, now I, I don't have to worry about them anymore. I, I've made it. And so, so that's, that's what I really enjoy about. It. And like I said, he, he really kind of takes on different roles. So I mean, he's just, and he's not scared to be like crazy. Like, you know, he was in like, um, 12 monkeys. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I mean, so he's definitely, he shows versatility. Right. There's, so you, I was, I guess you mentioned all those movies and that's uh mm-hmm. that's what I think stands out for me for Brad Pitt is that Brad Pitt pretty much looks the same in most of his movies by right. you know but barring any a few here and there but majority of the time you see Brad Pitt you see Brad Pitt unless he's got heavy heavy makeup on or something like that mm-hmm. yeah. uh but regardless of that um I think he still makes whatever character he's playing believable. So mm-hmm. it's like I, t- I totally, it's like okay, there's Brad Pitt, but then when it's, when he's playing that character and and doing his job, you don't see Brad Pitt anymore. I see the character he's playing, right? So, which I think separates him from other actors. Yeah, I mean, like in the moment in Fury. When he gets Shia LaBeouf and he's like talking about like, you know, you will perform for me while you're in my unit and stuff like that. And he like, mm-hmm. you know, he's trying to get Shia LaBeouf to shoot that German and the German saying, oh, I have children, I have family and stuff like that. You know, I mean, he mm-hmm. gets I mean, he's, he's in the moment playing that character. And I mean, he's he's intense. He's very, very intense. Oh, yeah. And then later mm-hmm. in that movie, you know, he's he's dining with a German lady trying to have like a very nice, you know, very nice meal with them. And so, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, he's a. Uh, like you're saying, I mean, he's, he's very like involved in the uh, in the characters that he plays, and um, so it's not like you know, it's not like okay, like you're saying, like I see Brad Pitt, so I kind of know what 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 he's going to do, and it's I, you know, it's just it's not like he's a one trick pony. Yeah, his his voice pattern has like a certain cadence and a rhythm to it that's the same in all the movies, yet it somehow fits. It's not like. This is the movie and Brad Pitt, but this is Brad Pitt in a movie making it look credible. Um, like he's it's, it's like amazing how he just kind of blends into whatever he's playing, even mm-hmm. though we know it's Brad Pitt. You know, he's got the looks, he's got the, the he mm-hmm. got the voice, the but mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> the hair. <laughs> yeah, and that's um, like I've seen like uh, other people talk about much like. Keanu Reeves, you know, Brad Pitt does the same thing where they say kind of like what I'm getting at here is they say like Keanu Reeves. I've seen other actors and actresses say is that like he will some actors and actresses will find the camera in the scene to make the make the scene work, whereas others will just let the camera find them. And Keanu Reeves is real good about that. They said other uh, actors and actresses said, and I see that with Brad Pitt, too, when he's in movies, he'll let the camera find him. Um to make the scene work. So he's not like, like uh, m- pushing it to, uh, to make himself involved in the scene. And it's that subtleties. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's, there has to be some kind of, uh, there's definitely experience behind those eyes when he does 
the scene. Like, I like to think of him as like the polar opposite of Jack Black. You know how Jack Black eats up the scenes and it's like, come on. yeah, Jack Black will find the camera. Yeah. Yeah. But like, I don't know. He, uh, Brad Pitt can blend into the scene and kind of make it seem natural. Like he was always part of this movie. Yeah, and he's, um, I mean, if you look back at his earlier stuff, too, I mean, you look back at uh, California, where he mm-hmm. plays like that, kind of a, like, kind of a, a real greasy, rough dude. And um, even at that, that starting time, I mean, you can tell he actually had a lot of talent and a lot of diversity to him. And you can tell it definitely, you can, you can say he was going to go places. And, um, and he's only like, yeah, he's just, he's definitely kept, kept cadence with that. And, you know, and he's taking risks. I mean, you know, you, I mean, one could say it is a risk when you're kind of doing things and you're looking for your Academy Awards and you want to get your get your awards and get notoriety. And you know, you go off over here and you do a vampire movie. I mean, yeah. Could, yeah, I mean, that really most horror movies don't get Academy Awards. And so, I mean, you know, he goes and he does his interview with a vampire. And so, I mean, he's, you know, he takes risk. I, even the movies that could be seen as just like blockbuster summer junk yeah. are actually pretty good. Uh, like with him being a part of it. Ocean's Eleven, I enjoyed a lot. And I think I enjoyed it because of his his very suave attitude in that movie. Um, Fits uh, in I, with the whole cast very well. And it's... Yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely, I, yeah. I love those. I love that trilogy, too. So it's great. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I made a poll in our Discord to talk about one of, uh, a lot of his famous movies, but I left out all his World War II movies, which is, seems like a huge oversight. I think those would have gotten a lot more votes had I put them in. Um, it seems like Fight Club and Snatch are the top contenders for movies that people remember. Um, did anyone see Snatch? I did. I saw it. Yeah. <clears throat> it was a while back I saw it, but I did see it. He had to do, uh, what is it, an, a very Irish accent because he was a, a bare-knuckle boxer mm. in that movie. Yeah. I think that's the most amount of, like, not being Brad Pitt he's ever been in a movie because of the accent he had to do. He was wearing a hat to hide the hair. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, no one voted for the Benjamin Button movie, which I kind of thought was like Forrest Gump with a sci-fi twist to it. Did anyone see Benjamin Button? Oh, yeah. I saw it. Yeah, definitely. What did you, what did you think of it? I enjoyed it. I didn't ever see it as a Forrest Gump movie because Forrest Gump to me was kind of like, you know, a hapless everyman that just happens to be in the right place at the right time and, and with a comedic spin on everything. Yeah. Very entertaining. I enjoyed yeah. Forrest Gump. But, I mean, I don't see parallels between Forrest Gump and Benjamin Button. I mean, it's a different philosophy. I mean, Forrest, Forrest Gump was not born uh, a little old man and grows younger as he into a baby. The older he gets and his love interest, you know, grows into, uh, you know, a senior lady. As, yeah. you know, as the, Jenny doesn't become like a senior, you know, in her 70s by the end of the movie. So right. I mean, Maybe uh, it's more of the time pacing. Because yeah. Forrest Gump is, you know, you're going through history essentially throughout that movie. Yeah. Maybe, yeah. maybe Benjamin Button has that take too. Yeah. 
don't know. Yeah, I, mean, I think that's that would be unavoidable. I mean, with because if you're going to start out with like somebody that's old and now they're going to go young, I mean, you're going to show different changes mm-hmm. and stuff like that throughout, throughout time to keep the, to me representation. And of course, they meet in the middle. I think when they're like in their like their their forties, and that's when it becomes like the most passionate when they go sailing around the world and making the love and all that stuff. So yeah, mm-hmm. yeah but um, but it was definitely it was a. It was, I know a lot of people were talking about like, yeah, he, he must have put in a lot of Botox in his face in that one. Or that was a lot of like CGI <laughs> like him when he was like, became into his like 20s. There. Right. Yeah. You know, I, the reason I said it's like Forrest Gump, because someone played, um, they had the comparison, a comparison video where like Forrest Gump was part of this war. Uh, you know, Benjamin Button was part of this war. He met Jenny at this time and he, you know, Brad Pitt met his love interest at this time. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess, I mean, it's just, I, I see them as two separate entities. as two separate movies. Yeah. They have that common, like maybe element in them. But mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, I, I would say I wouldn't, if I was explaining someone like Benjamin Button to someone, like, someone said, what is it about? I mean, I wouldn't say like, have you seen Forrest Gump? You know? <laughs> okay. Well, that's kind of like that. I wouldn't say that. Mm-hmm. Off the top of my head. Yeah. I would say yeah, it's it's an interesting concept in of itself. It's kind of like reverse aging, is what it is. Yeah, very interesting. Surprise, more scripts aren't about reverse aging. Um, so Brad Pitt, he was nominated for many Academy Awards. Another movie that we I always forget he's in is Troy, where he is neither Greek nor is he like a dark skinned like warrior that would fit that time period. He's just blonde Brad Pitt, but he does, you know, that's a movie that people really like. Yeah. Yeah. He, um, he got buffed up for that movie. It's interesting. Like, yeah, he goes into these roles where he can like maintain his normal physique and the other ones, he gets pretty buffed up. But, um, I mean, I saw, uh, Troy, uh, once, I mean, I, you know, I mean, what I'm not as fan of it as like some of his other work, but, mm-hmm. um, I mean, it's a good, it's a good popcorn flick. Yeah, I didn't get into it much either. Surprisingly, just I don't know, it wasn't clicking with me. I mean, it's an okay movie. I think everybody should see it at least once, but uh, it just wasn't one that I go back to. Yeah, it came out shortly after Gladiator, and I know Hollywood was obsessed with like big Greek romantic wars and heroes. So I, they were riding on that train, and they must have been like, oh, we got Brad Pitt, you know, cha-ching. And maybe that's why I didn't get into it. Maybe if that came out first and then Gladiator. Mm-hmm. I don't know what order they came out, but I don't know. I was just, Troy just kind of like, didn't was like, yeah, okay. Yeah. Because <laughs> he played Achilles in that, right? Yeah, Achilles. Yeah. yeah, that's what I thought. He was Achilles in that. Yep. Oh, that's what I thought, yeah. Yeah, I was gonna say. I, I, I mean, I saw it once, and I was like, okay. I mean, I'm probably not gonna see it again. But I mean, it was you know, it was, it was entertaining for, for for the one watch I did of it. Hmm. Hmm. Well, I'm gonna skip down to. Uh, I asked my two co-hosts to watch a Brad Pitt movie they've never seen, and then we're gonna present our findings like we're in elementary school running a presentation. Complete with nervousness. So, I first I tried to get an interview with a vampire 
But then I felt like that wasn't as accessible as Megamind. So I saw Megamind. Eston, um, you reviewed a movie that is actually worth talking about. And that movie is? Fight Club. Fight Club. Okay. Tim, you went back to the 90s, I believe, to find your movie. I saw Meet Joe Black. Meet Joe Black. All right. And now I have to be Yep. Yeah. I have to be the te- I have to be the teacher who says who wants to go first. I'll go first. That's fine. Okay. I'll get it done here. Come, come up to the I class. Like, I like I like to be able to get it done first so that I can sit back and watch everybody else. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, uh Meet Joe Black has actually been on my list for a while. I've been wanting to watch that um and cuz it's one of those movies that's been out for a while, obviously. It came out in 1998, and I heard enough pieces of it to know the gist of the movie. Um, so, essentially, it, everything's kind of been spoiled for me. <laughs> so, I kind of <laughs> knew what was going to happen and, and all that kind of stuff. But it still was an enjoyable movie. Essentially, Brad Pitt's character is a gentleman who comes into town, meets this beautiful doctor, um, he becomes smitten, and uh, um, she, you know, they, they basically hit it off very well at breakfast time, and uh, basically he he was, like, kind of kicking himself for not inviting her or trying to get her number or whatever, because they kind of go their separate ways. They both look back at each other, blah, blah, blah. He disappears off into her normal life. He looks back and isn't paying attention, and boom, you see him get hit by a car. End scene. Actually, a few cars. <laughs> so, end scene. Anyways, it goes back to the doctor, the beautiful doctor. She's at home with her dad and her sister and her family. They're all trying to throw her dad his 65th birthday. Of course, the movie didn't open this way. There's there's plenty going on here, but there's also the movies about the dad who's ahead of the um, air, um, um, a media company who is having what seems to be signs of a heart attack coming and spurs in his head um, being sounds like him that says, you know, basically your time has come, but... I've chosen you to kind of teach me what's going on in the world right now. Cause I've been, I haven't been, his voice hasn't been around to see things. So, um, basically what happens is later on, um, this is Anthony Hopkins character, by the way, this is the dad who, uh, finds out that this voice in his head, head be- is a real person or has become a person. This per and this voice in his head has actually taken the body of Brad Pitt's character who got hit by the car and ends up basically saying to Anthony Hopkins' character, Hey, you can't uh you can't say who I am. And Anthony Hop- Hopkins basically figures out that he's death. I'm gonna take him away. But death has made an arrangement to say, Hey, I wanna stick around, see what's going on in the world today. I have you know, I'm alone, I'm bored, I wanna see what's going on. So I've taken this body and uh, I'm going to, I want to hang out and watch what's going on. I'm going to follow you around. So he's going to be his shadow, but he, Anthony Hopkins character can't say who he is. 
Oh, he comes to dinner and he's there for dinner and then finds out that Anthony Hopkins character, the dad, is the father of the girl of the body that Brad Pitt had taken over. So um there's a romantic story going on there between Brad Pitt's death character who's taken over this body and this this daughter who's totally confused as to, hey, I saw you at the coffee shop. Why are you here at my dinner table with my rich dad? So, mm-hmm. uh, but basically it's building all off of that. It's a story about Anthony Hopkins character about his, he knows death is ready to take him at any moment or when he's bored or when he's done looking around. Death has taken the body of uh, this woman's love interest or who wanted to, you know, get to know this guy who ends up dying, but she didn't know he died and she doesn't know that he's death. So I found interesting throughout this whole movie too, is that throughout this time, obviously they're they're Anthony Hopkins character is going about his business days, trying to go this, this Brad Pitt character following around everywhere. And he's trying to conduct business and everybody's wondering why is Why is this? Did Hancho have this, person following him everywhere so they think he's some big you know advisor to help uh anthony hopkins character with uh, a merger that's going on in the company uh but anyways at the same time there's this love story building between Beth and this interest in this guy's daughter uh who is you know she's a doctor and she's you know her dad has said basically you got this love interest that works for me and hey, I like him and all, but I like him, but you shouldn't have to like him just because I like him. Find somebody that you actually love, you know, and all that kind of stuff. So her, and that's what kind of got death's interest anyways into this movie. Uh, I'm trying not to recap the whole movie for you guys, but I'm trying to get to the point of everything here. Uh, so anyways, uh, the, um, Pitt's character, Death, again, is you know learning everything about the ways of the world. Uh, there's other great th- scenes and throughout the movie that um, showcases Brad Pitt's talents as an actor. Uh, between you know, just kind of learning the world the way it is and experiencing human life and being a human as you know being death taking over human body experiencing all those experiences kind of like if you think about you know another tom hanks movie big you know the little kid becoming an adult and experiencing things as an adult for the first time fish out of water movie you know it's it's like all of those things the same for death in a way where watching it, it was like almost the same ex- childlike experiences that he's having in this world with new foods, new drinks. He loves peanut butter. In fact, he's, he's got this thing about peanut butter. Um, so, and then love, you know, he's falling in love with a human and getting all these emotions and all that kind of stuff. And it's conflicting. And the the father, Anthony Hopkins character, is also conflicted because he's seeing, he's catching some of these things happening and trying to convince his daughter without telling her, obviously, he's a bad, per- he's a bad person you don't want to f- fall in love with. And she doesn't understand why and all that kind of stuff. But it all circles around to a couple things that I noticed. 
and death wants you to know that it's him, he looks you in the eyes. He did not look into the daughter's eyes. Through the whole movie, he would always try to look away. For a brief moment, he would look at her, but then he would look away without trying to make eye contact. It wasn't mm-hmm. until the end when he had to reveal himself where he looked into her eyes and they stared at each other mm-hmm. and it was like, oh. <laughs> and all the actors who have uh, interacted with Brad Pitt's death character did an excellent job in conveying that this is death. Um, and they were afraid to say it was death. And though they knew it was, they didn't know how to say it without freaking themselves out, essentially. So that was one thing that I thought was great. The other aspect of it was death's own learning about human life, love, and all the things that go on in this earth at this current time that he um, learned and ends up basically doing what he did, what he wanted to do when he chose Anthony Hopkins' character to teach him. So, mm-hmm. And so there's, again, I go back to, there's the Anthony Hopkins story, there's the love story, and then there's even kind of like the business story with Anthony Hopkins as well, but there's like this whole other kind of story of the end, the, the business wins out type of, you know, story um, because of somebody trying to take over Anthony Hopkins' char- uh, character's um, company. So lots of great stuff going on there, and it all intertwines with each other, and even Death's character gets in on the whole business thing at, towards the end, which was great. So um, it's actually up there now on one of my favorite Brad Pitt movies. Uh, I really enjoyed it when I watched it, and I encourage everybody to give that one a chance. It's, it holds up very well, too, I think. That's good. Very good. Very good. I was going to say, too, uh, when we were talking about our favorite Brad Pitts earlier, when we were mentioning it just a moment, uh, 12 Monkeys and 7 are both at the very top of my list. You know, And so this movie, um, Mito Black, is kind of up there. May maybe be for one. I don't know. <laughs> I'll maybe to watch it again or something. We'll see. So... I'll go next because I have a lighter movie and then it'll make like a, a sandwich where the bread is very dark and, <laughs> but with some very lighthearted stuff in the middle. So, uh, hello class. Uh, I did my project on mega mind, which I've, I've seen the memes, uh, but I've never really gotten into the movie. You know, I kind of had that, that uh, bias that it was a DreamWorks, so it was going to just be silly and with a lot of poop jokes, and not even ones that I think are good. So, but you know, I finally <laughs> gave Megamind a try, knowing that it was going to be like it. It caught mm-hmm. on that wave that superhero movies are were getting popular, and mm-hmm. I was delightfully surprised by this movie. Um. Just, uh, in fact, I can I can easily easily say that I I believe I like this movie better than The Incredibles. I know that's a that is a a, a sin to say that you like DreamWorks movie better than a Pixar movie, 
And did you I, guys get me into here? What is this? Something yeah. in Incredibles. What's going on here? I can see my co-hosts like uh, sharpening pickaxes, but I, I love the characters behind this movie, and not not even, not even uh, Brad Pitt though he does an amazing job just being Brad Pitt. You know that suave, calm voice. So you got Will Ferrell doing his Will Ferrell shtick as Megamind. And he is in this Lex Luthor Superman kind of relationship with Metro Man played by Brad Pitt. Um, Megamind, in one of his many battles against Metro Man, accidentally, I say accidentally, kills him because he, he really just wanted him to live so that they could fight forever and ever as arch nemesis do. Um, when he does kill Metro Man, Megamind kind of gets very bored and decides he needs to make another good guy using his science skills. Um, unfortunately, he uses this... Uh, he uses this like superhero drug that he made, and it accidentally hits um, Jonah Hill, who plays this cameraman, to Tina Fey's, who plays uh, she plays a like a beat reporter. So he creates Jonah Hill Titan, uh, T you know spelled like you know the Greek Titans, but Jonah Hill's character is so dumb he spells it T I G H T E N. <laughs> Um, which is, you know, that's just one of the many jokes in here that's just like, ah, ah, you know, I really love the, that kind of joke. Um, and so Megamind is trying to coach the superhero how to hate him, how to be a good superhero. Meanwhile, falling in love with Roxanne Ritchie, which is played by Tina Fey, and deciding in his own right, maybe this bad guy shtick is... You know, maybe it's not everything it's cut out to be. Maybe there is something to be a good guy. And by the end of the movie, it's a role reversal where Titan becomes the, you know, kind of clingy jerk who wants to bully people so you respect him. And Megamind becomes the redeemable hero who wants to, who needs a second chance. Now, I know Pixar. And DreamWorks like doing that whole trope where like, oh, this is the bad guy. This is the jerk. Oh, but the jerk's good at the end. And, you know, redemption factor. But the fact that this movie uses it by like they they use Will Ferrell's ability to just kind of be a nutball and just say all these really crazy and witty lines throughout the movie. It kind of softens the old trope and makes it more usable. Um, Brad Pitt really is just playing Brad Pitt in this one, which is perfectly fine with me. You know, Metro Man is kind of like this square-jawed uh, Superman character saying, you know, hello, citizens, time to save the day. You know, stuff like that. And if you can imagine Brad Pitt saying that, that's great. Uh, anyways, by the end of it, I was, I was like, yeah, this is a great movie. This has some very quotable, fun stuff in it. Yeah. You know, thank you, Megamind. Thank you, Megamind, for being a really good movie. And yeah, I, it's got oh, so many stars in it. Will Ferrell, Jonah Hill, Brad Pitt, Tina Fey, 
David Cross, Ben Stiller, just to name a few. And it's basically, it's just a parody of the Superman story. Um, so, yeah, really like that movie. This was a, a great movie. animated movie. It's definitely up there yeah, for yeah, me, it's too. A good movie. <clears throat> yeah, I enjoyed it. It's got a lot of great, like, music in the background, like, while they're doing the montages. Yeah, DC or ACDC's Back in Black plays yeah. a montage, and I'm like, you know, that is so cool. Thank you for having the guts to do that. And, you know, it's not – the thing is, it didn't even feel like a kid's movie, which was kind of strange. Like, I couldn't see anyone – younger than 13 like getting into this movie even though it's dreamworks like it felt it felt kind of adult but not in a rated r way Mm -hmm. like this is like something uh you know this this is like dialogue that would be for that like adults could really get into so it was strange that way yeah Yeah, I enjoyed it. It was a good movie. <laughs> and I think a lot of kids who grew up with it, too, may not have gotten it, but enjoyed it at the time, are coming back to it yeah. for nostalgic reasons and enjoying it as well. Again. Oh, yeah. Now I have to check if the PS3 game is any good. <laughs> Didn't know there was one. I hope there is. I hope it's amazing, and we just never had just we just never noticed it. Like it's like it becomes better than Smash Brothers or something. Wouldn't why wouldn't it be amazing? It sounds like it would be. Yeah, right. (laughs) (laughs) You know, movies based or games based on movies have always done very well. So, (laughs) all right, to cap it all off, and this Mm -hmm. is actually good way to end our show let's talk about the movie that everyone loves to talk about and that is fight club yeah which is ironic because the first rule about fight club is you don't talk about fight club so it's perfectly designed for marketing and that's the first rule but then everybody goes around talking about fight club and so mm-hmm. it's definitely yes yeah and it's a it's a great movie as far as i mean yeah it's got some violence in it but i mean if you look at it for just the uh the ideology that's in it and you can kind of see how things uh uh deteriorate over time i mean at the start of the movie you know they just uh and i say they loosely because essentially the movie is based upon um someone having a a dual personality and a a persona uh, projected out for who they want themselves to be um and who they need themselves to be if they you know in their vision of of what they would like to be and um because edward norton uh, projects himself out to be uh Brad Pitt's character, Tyler Durden. And because um, uh, Edward Norton's uh, actuary guy for like insurance and he calculates risk and kind of living kind of a mundane job. And then he uh, essentially um, throughout the movie, you, if you're watching it for the first time, you don't find out to the end. The payoff is right at the very end where you find out. I mean, literally right at the end where you find out that uh, that Tyler Durden is Edward Norton. But uh, it's Edward Norton's character. But throughout the start of the movie, I mean, Edward Norton's character, he blows up his apartment and then he calls uh, Tyler Durden um, to come help him. But um, there is in the windows, if you're watching it the second time, you can kind of see how he calls Tyler Durden. And um, 
because she's like, you know, hey, I called this phone and stuff like that, you know, but nobody picked up or something. And so it's uh, it's like, yeah, star 69 you. And so if, if you watch the, the sequence of events, you can kind of see where like, oh, I kind of see where how like he actually really was kind of like uh, why no one actually like kind of spoke or picked up and initially. And so um, but it meets Tyler Durden and they start to start to form like his altered personality starts talking about like, well, let's start uh, start this fight club. And because um, apparently out of the cross between board or cross between actually just wanted to uh, to uh, to start some kind of a group men's group, if you will, a club. And mm-hmm. so so they start like this fight club and it starts underground. And the first rule they make is, you know, no one talks about fight club. Second rule is no one talks about fight club or drive home. And there's other rules in there. You know, third rule is, you know, um, and so on and so forth. I just remember some off the top of my head, you know, only one fight at a time. Um, you know, no jewelry, no shoes, man taps out, that man is done and stuff and fights will go on as long as they have to go on for it. And, um, so they got, you know, some ground rules for it. So it's on some level, no, it's not a kind of free for all, but, um, but as the movie goes on, you kind of see the ideology starting to happen where they actually, the fight club now becomes project mayhem as they recruit more people into the fight club. And now these people start actually uh, you know, the Tyler Durden, Edward Norton character assigns them out to go out and do stuff um, to do certain targeted things in the city. For example, like to uh, put bird seed all over a used car lot so the birds poop all over the used car lot and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And so, I mean, and there's actually some outtakes in that because there's one time where this guy that's in the Project Mayhem is hosing down the uh, business um, sidewalk and a pastor comes walking by. And he sprays him with water hose. And the guy says, you can't do that. And he like sprays him again. And then he sprays the Bible. And if you watch the actual, the movie, uh, the frame of the movie is actually start shaking. And what's happening is the cameraman actually himself that's filming the movie actually started shaking from like laughing. But they decided mm-hmm. not to cut it and retake it. They just left it in there. And oh, so, wow. the, yeah. And so, um, but as they form Project Mayhem, then they start getting like more and more dark. And Edward Norton starts losing control because one of the characters because Meatloaf is in it, and Meatloaf gains all this weight to play this character. Is a recruiting for Project Mayhem. He recruits Meatloaf, and one ever like uh, you know Meatloaf. I think it's Meatloaf's character. Uh, uh, I think remember right, he does get killed, and um, and they start talking, and that's when you can see that moment where the kind of the mob mentality is now overtaking the leader because they start talking about okay, this guy name was his real name was Robert Paulson. You know, in death, you have a name, but in Project Mayhem, you don't have a name. And so it just becomes a manual is taken to another level of a mom mentality of ideology as they start getting now a lot more darker with their projects. And ultimately, their project is to uh, become so dark that they want to blow up the uh, these world banks to reset the debts across the world so that uh, they can level the playing field. And what their eye, their eyes see everything, make everything neutral and right. <clears throat> by eliminating all debts to reset the clock to so there's no class system anymore there's no poverty there's no rich everyone is now a level playing field and ed norton decides to like try and stop this by stopping tyler durden but he uh essentially you find out throughout the, like i said throughout the movie he's actually beginning to fight himself and tyler durden his awful personality is trying to stop him so he's actually beating him up himself fighting himself and um along the way uh, Helen Bottom Carter shows up as like a love interest 
And there's another catch to it because she shows up and she's making out with Edward Norton and making out with Brad Pitt. But if you watch the camera play really well, you never actually see all three of them on film at the same time. Like when one leaves the room, the other one comes into the room. And so that's kind of another indication of this kind of dual personality stuff. And another thing that I kind of love is one time in the scene where Helen Botham Carter calls to pick up the phone. And Edward Norton answers. And she's like, I just took all these you know, pills. I'm going to commit suicide. He's like, you know, and Edward Norton's not too big of a fan of her. <clears throat> so he says, you know, OK, well, whatever. And so he, he puts the phone on top of the phone rack. And in the background, Brad Pitt's doing nunchuck maneuvers and doing Bruce Lee kicks with Bruce Lee sounds, which mm-hmm. is totally improv. And um, he comes up, picks up the phone, and he hears it's her. And so he goes over to rush to her aid. And so they make out. And then, like, uh, the cops get there, though, because she had called the cops. And what I like about this scene is, like, whenever they're going to leave, Brad Pitt has another improv moment where he pulls Helen in to this little alleyway a little bit in the apartment complex, like as a cop from by and just as a uh, kind of an impromptu distraction, Brad Pitt starts doing a little dance right there in front of Helen Botham Carter. And that's actually was all improv done by Brad Pitt, that little <laughs> dance. And decided just to keep it on camera. <laughs> mm-hmm. and so I just noticed throughout the thing that Brad Pitt does all these improvs. And, um, but it's, it's again, get back to what I was getting at. I mean, it's a really good movie for just watching the ideology of how like something that, you know, not only dual personalities and how they can kind of be like troublesome and how it can be an affliction. Someone, um, you know, at first it may seem like it's a blessing because you, you can project out and kind of see, you know, mm-hmm. a representation of what you want to be, the strengths that you identify with, the attributes you wish you had, but you don't feel you have. But then it can also become like a curse as it becomes and it starts taking over the real self of, of what may be the better parts of you. And um, and then you recruit more people into the mix. And now it becomes this whole this whole kind of project mayhem as they do crazy stuff. I mean, I mean, I know that this movie is so quotable for different lines and so memorable for different scenes. I mean, to the point of like, you know, where they tell one guy, you know, don't order the clam chowder. And um, because of what they're doing, <laughs> the clam chowder and I leave you to the imagination. And so, I mean, it's just I mean, the stuff they are doing and it's just it's getting that you can see that the. the the crescendo is getting higher and higher and higher through the movie of how they are actually getting like darker and darker and darker. And, you know, it's building to a head at some point. And, um, you know, in the end, I mean, uh, you know, uh, Tyler Durden actually goes to like shoot himself. Um, but he like, cause Edward Norton realizes who he really is and how only way to end it is actually to, to end this alter ego. And when he goes to shoot, he actually shoots out the side of his mouth. So mm-hmm. he doesn't really commit suicide. But uh, so he actually, as a character himself, Edward Norton lives, but he eliminates the Tyler Durden character. And um, so it is a, if, you know, you can do like some, if you want to, some uh, lectures on it for like uh, psychiatric lectures on it. Um, there's lectures in it to be had for philosophy, how mob mentality forms. So, I mean, taking back the veil of just an entertaining movie, there's some different undertones going on there that are so well written into the movie outside of just being you know a fight club about punching and fighting and stuff like that and so it really is um that's what i really like about fight club it has that that, there's deeper roots here there's more more material to it than it just being about you know just a 
a group of guys getting together, having beers and wanting to fight and, you know, having jokes and jeers throughout it. And um, I'm sure a lot of people have already seen this movie out there. But if you have not seen it, then, um, you know, and you worry that it's actually is kind of violent. Yes, it has some violent moments to it. But I mean, compared to movies I have seen advertised on TV, um, this movie is tame. <laughs> I mean, compared to the violence that is out there now. Um, interesting enough, uh, Brad Pitt at the time didn't want his parents to watch the movie. So there's a scene where he actually shows lie in the process of making soap. And so he actually pours like a lie on Edward Norton's hand to actually show him what uh, the soap is like. And it's kind of funny because it actually says searing flesh in it in directorial fashion. It actually shows like the dictionary word searing flesh real quick on screen. And uh, but Brad Pitt showed that scene to uh, to his parents to dissuade them from actually watching the movie. And so uh, <laughs> so I don't know if Brad Pitt's parents have actually seen the movie at this point. But um, but yeah, if you want to. And actually, it's, it holds true. If you want to learn how to make soap, this is a good movie to watch it. Um, <laughs> if you want to learn how. Uh, That's a great reason. Yeah. I mean, and how, you know, human fat actually can be donated from uh, your liposuction to be made soap. And, and you want to get grossed out to see how what it looks like when uh, bags rip and human fat drips out onto you and uh, how it's rebranded and resold back to the, uh, the uh, to the perfume industry is nice lotioning soap. And there you go. You can get a good appreciation of of human fat now. And, uh, and actually I think there's a part, yeah, there's a part two. If you, if uh, you're so inclined and you don't want to Google it, um, I mean, there's, there's some indications there of, of how to make a bomb. Cause as Edward Norton says, and, and I quote, <laughs> Tyler Durden was so, so full of interesting facts. <laughs> wow. Um, yeah, th- that movie is like a parable for, like uh, for violence and like masculinity. And I've heard so many different takes on it. And some people take like, they, they don't know that the director's being sarcastic. So they'll be like, yeah, yeah. Us men, we should start a fight club. Yeah. Yes. We should be like thorns to other people. I get what you're, what you're saying. And, and it is, it is altered the personalities tries to talk, you know, Tyler Durden tries to talk to Edward Norton's character about like, you know, keeping him on the scene in some way because he's starting to talk to him while they're in the car about you're so uptight, you're holding on, you just need to let go and let life happen. And that's when they go through the car accident that they have, just letting the car just kind of run off the highway and stuff. So, I mean, it's, um, I mean, it really, I mean, it really is kind of, it really can give you appreciation people that are afflicted with like dual personalities, how, you know, maybe this is an extreme version of that, but you know, a, a view into that microcosmos of how, you know, that, that can be kind of, that can be a hard affliction to, to live with. You know, if it, if it's truly is like living through their eyes, that is, you know, this manifestation is that bad, that, it, that this, this seems so real to them, their other personalities. <laughs> hmm. Well, that's excellent. And a great way to close out our show. What an episode on Brad Pitt guys. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I like that. That was fun. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Always good to talk on it. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Brad Pitt, if you ever listen to this film Logic, yeah, if you uh, want to give us any kind of reviews or any kind of uh, chime-ins, feel free to do that and let us know how uh, how good we did. Yes. Or any yeah. inside takes on any of those movies we brought up that you were in. That Yeah, if anything, yeah, you that was left off the table that you feel we would uh, disjustice <laughs> to you and you want to put on, yeah, then definitely uh, – Come at us and let us know, please. We, we welcome it. 
and be a guest on our show. Make us a couple thousand. <laughs> Make yeah, us that, Brad Pitt. Yeah, if you want to be a guest on the show with us three hosts, yeah, definitely. Come on. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yes, I'm sure we're the first podcast to try to hire um, just a, a famous person. <laughs> uh, oh, nobody else is asking Brad Pitt to come on their show. Yeah. We're the first for sure. I mean, I can go like uh, next week. I can go like I mean, I I saw Black Adam, so I can I can like go and like I can like email the Rock and ask him. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, we just got to email these guys. You know, I never thought about yeah. that. That's why yeah. they're not here. You never know. Just send them like a TikTok video or an email or something like that. Yeah, mm -hmm. please, sir, please come with me on our podcast. <laughs> Anywho. What if I told you guys that for the rest of November, I think there's two more shows in November, we're going to be having Pixar Vember. We've never done this before because we're a new podcast, but we're going to be talking about Pixar. So we're going to have to pick out some movies and get all, uh, you know, warm and cuddly and see how many times we can make Tim cry by the end of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds fun. Yeah. yeah. So... Anyways, thank you for joining us. My name is Mike. I'm Eston. I'm Tim. And <laughs> have a great rest of your week, folks. Yeah, thank you all for listening. See you later. And scene. Oh, we were talking about days and... <laughs>